Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Anglewitz. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 12 of AINC's soon-to-be-aftersights, Volunteer Spotlight. I'm your host, Evan Starnes, and I hope everybody had themselves a great and fantastic Thanksgiving. Mine was definitely a really good one. Nice old-fashioned Thanksgiving with all the family involved. And it's hard to believe we have already reached the month of December. That being said, there are a couple of little announcements I wanted to get out of the way first. If you're listening to this on the day it came out, which happens to be Tuesday, December 5th, well, that just happens to be Colorado Gives Day. And so, yeah, if you're listening to this today, Tuesday, then you can still schedule your donation for Colorado Gives Day and for the Audio Information Network of Colorado on our website. It's on the very front page, and there's some incentives, there's some fun trivia games that will help you, you know, win even more money. And we can um, also match up to a certain percentage of your donation. So yeah, please check that out before it's too late. We've also got some new feedback lines open, including a phone number that you can call and leave us a voicemail with any tech questions or, well, if you have any other questions for any of our original podcast hosts. And that phone number is 720- 712-8856. And you can email feedback at aincolorado.org for any feedback you, that you have about our podcasts or if you want to be a guest on one of our shows or if you just have any questions for any of our hosts, whether it be myself, Jonathan Price, Penn Street, or Bill Lundgren. Anyway, Joining me today is a very, very special volunteer. He's been with us since, I want to say, what, 2014, right? Yes. And he's been a tremendously good reader, but he's also done a lot of really good contributions for our relocation committee because we are moving buildings pretty soon here. With that being said, this is Tom Engelwitz. Welcome to the show, Tom. um, How's your Thanksgiving? Oh, thank you, Evan. Uh, my Thanksgiving was actually fairly quiet. Uh, we had uh, just my, my myself and my wife, and uh, her daughter was going to fly down from from uh, Portland, Oregon, but she's in a new job and she really couldn't take much time off. So we decided to postpone that till Christmas. But uh, but even before Thanksgiving, we had a we had a major birthday celebration, which was kind of fun because. Uh, uh, I turned 80 years old this year, and uh, a good friend of mine was turning 52, so we had a joint birthday celebration, his his birthday on November 8th and mine on the 10th. Uh, so we all went out, three couples, and had a big sushi dinner at our favorite local sushi restaurant, so that That's was awesome. good. Yeah, would you say sushi's kind of your favorite, or... What would it's, you say? It's definitely one of my favorites, and uh, it's a relatively new restaurant. Uh, was actually founded about four years ago by a couple, a Japanese American couple, who worked in another sushi restaurant here in town, and uh, and they they opened their place, and uh, it's just the best sushi I've ever had. So we had a great time. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's great. Indeed. Well, that's a great segue into our fun questions as loyal listeners of the show know. So what is your favorite outdoor activity to do around this time? <laughs> um, 
probably uh, outdoor activities. Uh, since we live up in the foothills uh, above Boulder, um, I spend a good deal of time walking my dog and uh, also shoveling snow from periodically. And But my, my main avocation is... Uh, is doing uh, uh, practicing the ancient art of of uh, bonsai, which originated in China and uh, and more recently in Japan uh, in the last few hundred years. Um, so uh, I have a greenhouse, and if it's a nice day, I can go out into the greenhouse where it'll get up to 75 degrees if the sun is out, and I can work on trees in there. Or I can bring them in the house and work on them in a in one of our one of our rooms in the house. So that's my main activity during during the winter time. That's really therapeutic, isn't it? Gardening, especially if you have a greenhouse, it's like uh, at least for me, it was kind of it was an oasis. You know, you're surrounded by all that wildlife and or not wildlife. You're surrounded by all the you know just what you've grown. You know, it's all of your I don't want to say creations, but well, there is a, there is a certain level of creativity to it because dealing with bonsai, I've been doing it for about eighteen years now, and uh, more intently after I grew, after I uh, retired in, at the end of two thousand ten. Uh, but um, you know, it's it's like de- it's dealing with a living art form because it, you know bonsai are never finished. They're they're always there's always something to be done, whether it's repotting or pruning or or root pruning or, or uh, fertilizing or whatever. I mean, it's just an ongoing process. And so I, it, your word therapeutic absolutely applies because uh, I can lose myself for hours just working on, a, on an individual tree, uh, and you don't even know the time goes by. Well, that's, that's incredibly fascinating. This is my very, very first time ever hearing about this, so very cool. Yeah, it's a, it's wonderful. I, I uh, actually, uh, for a number of years, have worked with a, uh, a very talented uh, American bonsai master up in Portland, Oregon. His name is Ryan Neal, and uh, he did, he spent six years apprenticing in Japan uh, with a gentleman named Masahiko Kimura, who is uh, arguably one of the most amazing uh, bonsai artists in the world. And so I've learned a lot from Ryan and also from other people who've studied with him. So uh, it's a, I like to tell people that even it doesn't matter what age you are, you, you're constantly learning. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. Next up, who is the most influential person in your life? <laughs> That's a, I know it's a tough one sometimes. Yeah, that, that that's a difficult question. Uh, I would guess at this point, uh, probably uh, on a personal level, uh, that would be my wife, whom I we moved to uh, we moved to Colorado um, in early 2011. So we, uh, as of February next year, we'll be here 13 years. Uh, prior to that, I, I lived in uh, San Diego. And actually, it was through the San Diego Bonsai Club that I met my current wife. And uh, she was very interested and still is interested in bonsai, but she she does a lot of other plant-related things. She grows all of our indoor plants at home and uh, does a really nice job of it, too. Uh, but, you know, in terms of day-to-day 
personal relationship, I would say she's the, she has been the most influential. Um, I'm a retired architect, and uh, uh, you know I've had a, a number of people in my life professionally who've had an impact on me, uh, but it would be hard for me to single out any given individual. Indeed, and we'll definitely dive into that aspect uh, later on here because it does very much tie into your contributions with our location committee. Great. Last up, and prepare for the randomness, but what is your favorite hot beverage? My favorite hot beverage is, at this point, probably green tea. I've, uh, you know, again, through my involvement with bonsai and the Japanese culture, I have... uh, uh, developed a fondness for a variety of, of Japanese green teas. And mm-hmm. I, I drink very little coffee anymore. Mostly in the morning with breakfast, I'll have one of a variety of green teas that I that I have uh, acquired over time and become fond of. So I, 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 like, I like green tea a lot. Um, Loose leaf or bagged? Either way. Either right way. I, I actually have found a couple of sources uh, for... Uh, Japanese green teas that come from Japan. They typically have outlets in the United States, but um, you know you can go online and purchase. You can pr- purchase loose leaf uh, teas, or you can purchase tea in bags. They even one of the companies even makes a whole pot tea bag, so you can make a whole pot of tea with a single bag. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's dive into the volunteer side of things. So you retired in 2010 and moved to Colorado in 2011. When did you first hear about Audio Information Network of Colorado and what made you want to volunteer? Well, my 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 wife one morning at breakfast was reading the uh, Boulder Daily Camera and uh, she found a little ad that said, AINC was looking for readers. And uh, she said, you know, this might be something that would be of interest to you. And I I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, I've always enjoyed reading aloud. And uh, whether it's reading a book to somebody or or reading an article from the newspaper or whatever. So I I I said, yeah, I'll follow up on that. So I went and met with Kat, who was the uh, uh, volunteer coordinator at the time, and she gave me a little voice test and uh, and some instructions and said, yeah, you know, let's 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 bring you on. So uh, that's how I got started. And I guess, uh, according to the records, that was 2014. Um, I started out reading the Estes Park Trail Gazette, uh, a local newspaper in Estes Park. And I did that for several years and then requested uh, more recently, uh, you know, just as a change to do something else. So I began reading the Durango Herald uh, and did that for about a year. And then um, the opportunity arose to read the Christian Science Monitor, which is the publication that I read now. And and I'm very happy with that, actually, because um, as much as it can be interesting to read local news, um uh, to me, it's a lot more uh, rewarding to be able to read uh, stories that are national or international in in origin, and uh, and the Christian Science Monitor is a great source of those kinds of stories. That's awesome. 
Well, that does kind of answer my question. So, um, but I will ask anyway. So, how would you how would you say your um, your experience being a volunteer reader and you know working with AINC working with us has been up to this point? Because it's it's almost been you're actually nearing your ten year anniversary next year. Yes, you? yes. It's it's I. I when I saw the 2014 date, I was kind of surprised because it didn't seem like it'd been that long, but I have been. Um, I, I've I've enjoyed it a lot. I, I used to actually, uh, before we started recording from home, uh, I would come into the studio. Uh, I guess it was every Thursday morning, and I had to be here by like 9:15, 9:30 to read, uh, because I believe my program at the time was going live um, on on the air at at 11 o'clock or 11.30, something like that. So we would have a kind of a rushed breakfast uh, on uh, on Thursday mornings, and then usually my wife would come in with me, and she had a an acupuncturist nearby, so she'd drop me off and go see her acupuncturist, and, and that was kind of our regular routine. Um, then, you know, with the pandemic, obviously everything changed, and, and uh, volunteers were asked to start reading from home, and I enjoy that, too, because I just block out the publication I'm reading now uh, uh, goes live on Tuesday afternoon. So I just block out time on Tuesday morning to the first thing after breakfast. I sit down and do the recording. And uh, I enjoy it a lot. I think not coming into the studio, there's a little bit of a loss of camaraderie with other other volunteers and the staff. Uh, but it's obviously much more convenient to be able to do it from your own study. So, yeah. oh, absolutely. Well, may I? So, may I ask? That's where you record is your study. Pretty yeah, much? I have a. We we as I mentioned, we have a home uh, up in the foothills above Boulder. Um, it's just myself and my wife and my dog, and actually, my dog comes in and and sits with me when I, while I record. Fortunately, he doesn't bark much unless there's somebody strange outside. Oh well, yeah, but. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I have uh, I have a nice space that on the second floor of our house that uh, where I keep all my books and my desk and and uh, it's kind of a uh, a getaway place for me and uh, and that's where I record on Tuesday mornings. You have a Mac? For your I computer? do. I have a I have a uh, MacBook Pro. Oh, very good. Yeah, the built-in mic. I could tell because the um, the microphone that you've used has always been pretty good and very clear. So I would venture to say that's just the mic built into your MacBook Pro. Well, I actually have a separate mic that I that I bought that connects into the uh, into the uh, uh, the MacBook. Okay. Uh, but it it seems to work pretty nicely. Yeah, it definitely does the job. Well, this is this is kind of a tough question here. This is the last volunteer reader related one, but. Um, is there, in your almost 10 years of reading, is there an article that you read in any of the publications that has stood out to you that you still remember to this day? Hmm. Wow. Um, it's hard for me to pinpoint uh, a specific article. Um, I, I do enjoy uh, right now the sort of variety of articles that that I can read from the from the monitor, uh, because uh, what I've found in the relatively short period of time that I've been reading from that publication is that um, 
there is uh, there's there's a whole range of of articles sort of to choose from. They're not all necessarily timely, uh, but it's pretty easy to figure out the ones that are mm-hmm. uh, that are uh, you know uh, current. Um, so uh, you know, reading anything from about the war in in uh, in Israel and Gaza, uh, or uh, some of the things that are happening on other continents like India. I read an article recently about. Uh, the the, the uh, tunnel uh, cave in in India, uh, but at the same time, I also have the opportunity to read something like a movie review for the new Leonard Bernstein movie Maestro, uh, which was equally you know sort of rewarding. So I I, I I like that 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 variety of 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 articles that uh, uh, you know that that, that are sort offers. of human human oriented and. Uh, what I'd really love to do at some point is read, uh, is to do like audio books, and I've tried to find a, a vehicle for that. But uh, you know, there aren't there there aren't that many opportunities to to read uh, books. Well, yes, and audio books also are like they have to be a hundred percent perfect, mistake free, everything free. You know, very clean, and um, it takes you know it's days of dedication and work, but it is, it's also a very rewarding job too. So that's, that is super cool. So yes, you are a retired architect. You have served and are continuing to serve on our relocation committee. Let's kind of go way back first though. And um, I'd like to talk about how, um, what made you decide to become, that you wanted to become an architect? Oh, that's an interesting story that I've told a lot of times. Oh, God. Uh, it's a, <laughs> When I was in high school, I went to a, uh, a Jesuit uh, preparatory high school in, in Detroit. It was the University of Detroit High School, actually. And uh, at the time that I was there, and I think it still is, there, it was an all-male uh, 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 student body. And so, you know, as you're getting into your uh, third and fourth years of high school, you start to think about what you want to do, what kind of college you want to go to, and so forth. Um, I was the editor of our school newspaper in high school, and I had a very strong feeling that I wanted to become a journalist. But as often happens when, um, when you're in your junior or senior year, there are career days or... Uh, opportunities for professionals to come in and talk about what they do so that students can learn a bit more about it. Uh, We had a a career day where we went on a visit to uh, the Detroit News, which is obviously a major newspaper, and uh, meet with reporters there and, you know, see what journalists really do. And uh, I got the impression that this was a sort of uh, highly charged uh, uh, intensive kind of situation that was pretty stressful, as it seemed to me. So I started having second thoughts about about actually becoming a journalist, although I'm sure if I'd learned more, there are a lot of other avenues to that. But at the same time, we had a, an architect who came to the school. He was, uh, I think, mainly a residential architect, designed single-family houses, and he made a presentation to us, and I, I I, I, I was fascinated. I, you know, I just never really knew a lot about what architects did and, and, uh, and so forth. And so I, uh, 
I thought, well, you know, this is something to explore. And I, uh, I, I, I had an opportunity to go to the University of Michigan um, uh, in Ann Arbor, but I was also intrigued with the University of Detroit, which obviously had a relationship to my high school. Um, and at, at, at the U of D, uh, there was a, a new school of architecture starting out with a whole uh, very fresh new group of faculty members. And, and, uh, and so I met with uh, the advisor there and said, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued by this, but I'm not sure that I have the talent to do it because I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't draw and I, I don't have, feel myself an artist or whatever. And he said, well, you know, that's not all that, that's involved. So, you know, I wouldn't be hesitant to give it a shot, which I did. And uh, we had uh, the program there at the time uh, was what was called a, a co-op program. So we did a five-year curriculum, but it took us six years because uh, the first three years you were going to school full-time. The, se- the second group of three years you were going to school, and it was a trimester system, so you'd be in school for four months and then working for four months. So it, it gave you on-the-job training, so to speak, and obviously the, the university tried to place you with local architectural firms, and I had some really, really good experiences in that co-op program. I was fortunate to work for uh, two or three firms that that were really um, educating and enlightening. And so, by the time I graduated, I was I was recruited by two different uh, architectural firms, and and that's how I got started. And I started out really as a project designer working purely in design and then a little uh, a little later in my career I became a project manager and then eventually uh, managed a couple of different offices I was a regional uh, man I was a manager for regional offices with two different firms and uh, over a period of time also in a partnership with a good friend of mine uh, in San Diego for 10 years and you know we did a, a diversity of work and uh, um, I I did I worked as an architect for 43 years in different capacities, and um, it was it was a good career. I can't say I'm very fond of corporate uh, the corporate culture in architecture. I think it's for me at least it was kind of an unfortunate situation. But um, but I enjoy the profession. People ask me how it feels to be retired. I said, I, I love the profession of architecture. I'm not sure I like the practice of it, especially at a corporate level. So anyway. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, so you've been on our location committee since its inception. So when we give you a building to look at, what kind of things um, are you looking for, particularly when you're looking at potential locations for us? Well, uh, let me let me backtrack a, a little bit because oh, for the, sure. in the in the meetings that we were having with the with the location committee, it became clear to me at some point that there was not a clear understanding of uh, what we in the architectural profession refer to as as a program. Uh, a program, as we use the term, not as computer people use it. Um, is the definition of the kinds of space that are that are necessary, and the interrelationships of those spaces, on a large complex project, obviously that can get very very complicated. Uh, with the 
office space for AINC. It's not so complex, but my feeling was that there was that there needed to be a clarification of the space needs, and and in some cases maybe space wants, but whether they could be afforded. So. Anyway, we went through a little process and developed a program for the for the space. And I, I think one of the things that I look at as we look at potential uh, relocation lease spaces is uh, how can how can those functions and those space space needs be accommodated in that in in that layout? And in some cases, some of the spaces that we looked at, and even the one today. Um, there are existing tenant improvements that can be uh, utilized by AINC uh, with with just minor modifications or in some case major modifications, but um, trying to salvage what may be there already uh, in order to save expense, obviously. And uh, and so I'm looking for a, a I'm, I'm mainly looking for uh, a good fit between what we're what we're looking at as a potential lease option and what I know the needs of the of the agency are absolutely because I'd got the impression that you just checked things like the structural integrity of a building the HVAC system the electrical system the plumbing I I, uh, I that was actually my initial impression so thank you so much for clarifying that yeah those those building systems are obviously important of course uh, and um, you know, in terms of structural integrity, when you're dealing with a lease space or you know a tenant tenant space in a multi-tenant building, typically you know the structural uh, integrity of the building is not something that you're totally you know, that you're very concerned about uh, because it's just sort of beyond uh, that scope. It's beyond your yeah, you... but but HVAC, for example, um, in terms of uh, uh, you know the comfort you know factors. In, in a space as well as acoustical in, in in the case of you know studio spaces like the one we're sitting in um, acoustical isolation and and um, uh, the the specific acoustical requirements of those spaces are are, are critical so yeah that those are those are some things to take into account even even in retrofitting an existing layout no absolutely and keeping you know, tabs on if a certain potential studio space is in like an interior wall or if it's surrounded by, you know, if it's got windows, there's a term for it, of course. Um, But yeah, keeping tabs on that kind of stuff because it will affect the acoustics of our studios or, um, and I'm really just like staying under our umbrella. I think another thing that, and I mentioned this in one of our meetings that, uh, um, you know, from a architectural and engineering standpoint, so to speak, uh, pe- people tend to think about uh, the uh, acoustical uh, isolation, if you will, of, uh, of studios in terms of how the walls are handled. But the other challenge is how do you distribute air into those spaces or air conditioning those spaces? Yes. Uh, because that's also a potential source of n- noise and uh uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, basically uh, disrupting the uh, the acoustical integrity of the space. So all those things need to be taken into account. 
Absolutely. Because there's, yeah, there's a vent in this studio, for instance, that does make some minor noise, and you can very faintly hear it sometimes, but indeed. Well, Tom, we've almost come to the end of this episode, um, and these, I always say these things fly by pretty quickly here, but um, wrapping up here, do you have any questions for me, Evan Starnes, or the Audio Information Network, soon to be Aftersight, that you'd like to ask? Um, I not not that come to mind, frankly. Okay, no worries at all. Well, Tom, I'd personally I'd like to thank you for all of the information and for joining me today for episode number twelve of AINC's Volunteer Spotlight. It has been an absolute pleasure. Well, it's been my pleasure as well. I mean, I, I, I obviously have gotten to know AINC over some period of time now. And I have a lot of respect for for you and all the people that that, that work here, and for what you're doing. So um, it's it's definitely my pleasure to 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 volunteer for the organization and to be part of it. That is awesome. I love love to hear that so much. Thank you guys so much for joining us today for episode number twelve of AINC's Volunteer Spotlight. I hope everybody has themselves happy holidays. Please don't forget to schedule your donation for a Colorado Gives Day. And yeah, with that being said, we'll see you next year. But you thought I was going to say next month.